Hello and welcome to the first official episode of Make Peace with Cancer. I am your host, Willow King, uh, and this is number one, really. So I've done a trailer and this is the first true full episode. Uh, so stick with me. Um, I don't know how my technology is working, but let's fingers crossed that you can hear me, all of that. So, um, so I'd like to call this one out of the dark and into the light. Um, so again, like I said in my trailer, uh, I was 39 years old when I got diagnosed with stage four breast cancer that had moved to my bones, um, in various spots all over my bones. Um, I was expected to only live two to five years beyond that point. So, um, it had spread that quickly I guess and the lump was really quite large so it was fairly progressive and and fairly aggressive I guess uh but the thing is I I don't believe in the whole fight fighting cancer I don't believe that anger is the way to approach this in your body so that's my whole thing so Hopefully it'll resonate with some of you. It may not. Honestly, take it as it is. Like it's it's just someone's journey, mine, um, about cancer and how I've come to be cancer-free at four years. Um, so, so, yeah, I guess my he- my methods for the healing have been varied. Uh, I have used the traditional, I say traditional, but, you know, modern medicine chemotherapy. Uh, I've also had a double mastectomy. So that has definitely um, helped get rid of any bits of uh, breast cancer that were sort of stagnant left in my body. Um so yeah, it's um it's quite a journey. Uh so when I got diagnosed um in 2019, um I was so stressed out. I was working in jobs that that yeah, I was in finance industry basically and I hated it from the time I studied finance back in 2002 when I was young, when I was 22, um, it just wasn't for me. I'm, I'm too artistic for that kind of thing. I think like just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. So I just been working many different finance jobs for many years and I, I never fit in. I never fit in. Um, later in life when I've studied a bit of psychology, I honestly probably ADHD and and just yeah just a total misfit in the world of corporate finance I guess so uh that was my life I was depressed um often drinking a bottle of wine a night um just to to relax and to get myself to a point where I could just wind down from those workplaces, they they were horrible. Um, 
I'll probably touch on that whole workplace thing again throughout this because uh, I wasn't listening to my body. I wasn't listening um, when it was yelling to me to to do something that more aligned with me. Um, so I guess um, I guess this is about inspiring people who resonate with this. So it's all about um, peace within yourself. Um, so how I did this was I, you know, the whole making peace with cancer. I'm, I'm not saying just go, oh, yeah, I've got cancer. I'm just going to sit down and die. It's, it's not about that at all. Um, I think what this is about is you have to realise that cancer is there for a reason. Um, I I looked up what does cancer mean in a spiritual sense, uh, found somewhere that cancer in the breast um, means abandonment. Uh, coming from, I guess, an absent mother, I haven't seen uh, the woman for almost 20 years um, and even before that it was a very absent kind of relationship we had with each other it was yeah um even as a kid I she was busy uh after she divorced my dad she was just busy I think finding herself again uh which hey I'm all for that but when you've got a 10 year old kid sitting at home stealing food to to survive yeah so I Again, this, this podcast isn't about parent bashing at all. Um, I'm sure I'll bring up family dynamics throughout. It's part of the journey, I guess. Um, but honestly, it's, it's more about the messages that I was trying to give myself. So the whole abandonment message like it's it's not a message to say um stop being abandoned because you can't stop to be you know you can't stop being abandoned you you are in your life but it's how you deal with it so I was always of the mindset that I was dealing with it fine I was um yeah I I wasn't chasing my mother I wasn't I wasn't angry at her haven't been angry at her ever um but I think what I was doing was I was holding out this hope that I was going to have this relationship with a mother with her with a my mother um but it's not going to happen <laughs> so I think I think after all these years and probably even up to the point in the last six to 12 months, I've come to a realization that I've got a self parent. So I, I realized that my parents couldn't be who I probably needed at that time. I, I probably needed um, a mother who would tell me that I had to go to school. Um, I had to make my bed. I didn't have that. Uh, 
So I'm I'm self-parenting. So that's a term that I don't know if it's out there or not, but that's kind of what I've become probably over the last yeah, since since my cancer diagnosis, to be honest, for the first couple of years, I was probably focused on the actual, um, yeah, the treatments, you know, the whole chemo and the whole meditating and and purely just talking to that cancer and saying, saying to it through meditation, I get that you're here and I thank you for the message that you're giving me. I thank you for the fact that you are telling me to slow the F down. So slow down, look at my life and decide, decide, um, am I going to continue on and make myself sick? Um, because what is disease but dis-ease? So a lot of, yeah, non-easement within my body. So, um, so I thank the cancer for, for yeah, forcing me to slow down. So, chemotherapy isn't for everyone. Honestly, it's it's harsh, very harsh. Um, it's extreme. It's extreme to the point of you know hair falling out um sick all the time to be honest i probably handled the chemotherapy a, a lot like my body handled it a lot better than a lot of people i i actually gained weight go figure the only thing i really wished was to drop all those pounds but not me my body's bloody resilient it just clings to that fat because it's like oh you might need that later um so so yeah this is what it's about so um I want to share this journey so I want to start at the beginning so it was it was a lump that I found um and I thought oh and it came up quick like some aggressive cancers can really just raise their, their heads really quick. Um, so I had a really good doctor and I went to her and I said, what is this? And and she was on it. She was, oh, that doesn't feel right at all. So the first step is to go for a, a breast ultrasound and also a mammogram. Now, I was considered too young to just get a mammogram. So straight from the get-go, there was some expense involved. It was you have to pay for a mammogram. So when you're over 50 here in Australia, they uh, get you to do one, I think, once every year or a couple of years, I'm not sure. But it's something that that they do for free for people over 50, for women particularly over 50. Um so I had to pay because I was 39 years old, considered quite young to to have a breast cancer. So um, so I went and got that done and and the ultrasound and they just called me so quickly. And I always say to people, if you're getting 
any medical tests done and they get back to you quickly, it most likely means that you've tested positive for whatever it is, like most likely. I'm not saying every single time, but that's my experience because honestly I've had blood tests over the years and they they just leave it for a week until they sort of say, oh, yeah, all's good, you know. So with this it was a matter of like a day. It was um, my doctor getting back to me saying I've booked you in for a um, – for a biopsy, sorry, I had to think about that. So she booked me in for a biopsy and she said, look, it's going to be painful because they, they have to stick a huge needle into your breast tissue where the lump is and take a grain of rice-sized piece from it to test. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I had to get someone to drive me. I got my husband to drive me because she said, you're going to feel really sore and sorry afterwards. So I took that and said, okay, sure. So um, got the husband to drive me. So this disrupted his life too because he's always had a really good stable job and and he had to drop a lot of things to to often come and take me places, take me to tests and right from the get-go. So um, the biopsy was probably like one of the most painful things I've been through. Like I had never had an operation other than my tonsils out when I was six and all I can remember then was eating ice cream and custard and enjoying I think enjoying being in a hospital bed because it was quite exciting for me. Um, so, yeah, so I'd never had any of that sort of medical stuff. I had the flu and honestly pretty pretty lucky really. So, so the biopsy was, again, so quick in getting back to me. It was just, it was a whirlwind. Um so I was back in the doctor's office within a couple of days after the biopsy and she was like, you have to, like, it's cancer. You have to go see specialists now. Um, she she basically said, here's one that I know of. Unfortunately, that was a private um, specialist. So I did go and see her because I do have private health here in Australia, but they were so expensive still. So she was such a nice lady, this surgeon, this this oncologist surgeon lady. She was she was just I guess you get what you pay for in this. She was like your the mother you never had. And I didn't really have one. So yeah. So she was like the lady I would have loved to have been my mother. And she was so caring and she just said, This is the plan. And she was um, so positive about it and I think she was the first person um, in this whole thing where I thought oh gosh she's really upbeat you know she's she's not doom and gloom and I, I think I took that in within myself and I started to emulate that kind of feeling like I I said yeah yeah this is and at first I was in the whole, yeah, I'll beat this, you know, because that's what everyone was saying, oh, you'll beat this, you have to fight the cancer. So I was like that at first. Um, 
it didn't come till a little bit later. So, so basically I didn't know how bad it was at this stage. So after that appointment, I had to go and pay for a um, MRI, so a full body scan, I guess, just to see the extent of the cancer. Um, at this stage, I talked to a really, really nice, helpful nurse in the private system and she said to me, she said, you're so young. She goes, she goes, don't spend tens of thousands of dollars on this. She said, go public. She said, there's nothing wrong with the public system. They'll get you in quickly. They will do everything quickly, um, just as quick. And she said, a lot of the times it's the same nurses um, who help you out and uh, it, they are generally, I think, public oncologists and and oncology surgeons which is fine I I was okay with that so I then went to another part of uh, Brisbane and they put me in with a oncology surgeon so a cancer surgeon and he uh, I guess he wasn't as upbeat as as the first lady, um, he basically said to me, and my husband was there as well, and he said to me, you have stage four cancer. And he said, it's breast cancer. The lump is, I don't know, 10 centimetres or however big. It was quite big. Uh, and he said, it's moved to your bones. He said, that is stage four cancer. It is in various places on your bones. It's in your arm. It's in your rib. It's in your hip. Um, I think it was somewhere else too, but yeah. Uh, and he said, you have two to five years to live. We, that's just what people, um, yeah, that's just how, how people live with this. See, they don't live for long. So my husband and I were in a state of shock. We went home, we, we cried a lot. Um, I kind of, I don't know. I, I just see, I, I guess a little bit of background. I have been a lot depressed over my years. So um, when I was a young 20 something year old, I had to get put on depression medication. It like, it was not good. Like it just numbed me. It made me extremely put on weight and the doctors would always say, well, what do you want to do? Be be fat and happy or skinny and depressed and want to off yourself? So at the time I thought, okay. But um, soon after that I, I did discover medica- meditation. So I started to meditate and um, went off the, the drugs, the Zoloft it was. So I, I eventually did go off the Zoloft. I found my creative self again uh I I couldn't paint or anything I liked to paint and and uh do some artistic things I couldn't do any of that on Zoloft it just numbed numbed my mind completely so so yeah so that's the background and and through workplace bullying and all sorts of things and just feeling like helpless um with my life, like feeling like, why can't you just fit into a job? Why, why are you just like a target of these 
like finance women bosses who just want to destroy you. Like I just, I didn't understand. I was helpful. I was, I worked well. I, I worked fast on things. I worked thoroughly on things, but I just never fitted in. Um, I, there was probably one really big time where I just had had enough. I, I wanted to end it, but I mean, that's, it's a whole other story, but basically I, I threw, through a dream, I just um, decided that it was worth just sticking around and, and just stick around, you know, don't, don't just end it because someone else is a bitch to you. <laughs> so I, I decided not to end it. So, um, but I did continue to be in these workplaces that just totally drained my sense of self. Um, just continued, like, and I jumped from workplace to workplace. I just, and it was always finance, and I'd try and get different jobs, but I that was my training, so um, it was all just finance, finance. So, um, yeah. So I think when when I talk about cancer giving me a message it said to me you've got to like just stop for starters it's just a big stop sign so stop everything um go get the the treatments uh through the treatments you're not going to want to do any work anyway um honestly it's hard in a household uh when you stop working (laughs) so the money stops coming in from one side, husband had to pick up the slack there and not only pick up the slack in a monetary sense but also just um, be there for when I needed to go test. Um, I Straight away they, they put me into a surgery to, to fit me out with what's called a portacath. I'm not sure some of you might know what that is. Some of you may not. It's basically a little device that sits sort of in your shoulder here and it's kind of little and it's where the needle goes in for your treatments. They can also take blood from it. So um, it's just so that your veins don't just get continually hacked by needles. Uh, The operation was brutal because I like I said to you earlier, I had only ever had one operation as a six-year-old. So, um, yeah, I, I had to s- sleep in the spare room and just um, prop myself up with pillows um, just to sort of heal over a couple of weeks. So that was pretty brutal. Um, but when I went in for my first chemo session, that hadn't healed so it was still painful and swollen and they couldn't even access this thing that they said would just make my life easier so I think that was the only chemo session that I actually cried in and that was through pain um, not through emotional at all I think um, I don't know I just I'd sort of come to terms with the fact that I, I, this was in me and, and I either um, just allowed it to take me in two to five years or I would have to find a way to, to heal it. So um, 
been quite spiritual for I guess all my life so I I meditated on it so that was how I sort of dealt with depression so that's how I was going to deal with this as well so when I meditated on it I I told it I told the cancer I said you know what is it you're trying to tell me is it a message uh, which led me to to google that and um I I said to the cancer you know through other meditation sessions thank you for the message I I I hear it. I hear you loud and clear. Um, I appreciate you being here to give me those messages, but I I don't need you anymore. You can you can leave now. You can leave this body. Um, it's okay. You can leave. So it it did like after four years. Well, I think after two and a half to three years, it had left. So all the scans that I have done. There is no active cancer left in my body. My bones have taken a little bit longer to heal where the cancer was. So there was no cancer there, but um, there was, I guess, scarring from the cancer. So, so yeah, that was um, how it's all come to be. So, so when I say out of the dark and into the light, I guess uh, the dark was was me pre-cancer. So that was my dark night of the soul. So that was a time where I just wasn't happy in my life and honestly probably 90% of that was purely through workplaces, like just horrible workplaces. And it's such a big part of your life. Like your workplace you spend generally eight, plus hours a day, five days a week in this place. Um, so so that's, that's what it was. It was just um, a big part of my life that I hated about my life. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's what all this is about. Um, so, so basically... Um, it's been, it's been what, so four years and I'll tell you honestly and truthfully, I'm still on some treatment. So I still get something called Herceptin and a couple of other things and it's more of a preventative treatment at this stage. So it's still a big part of my life and um, even if I wanted to, which I don't, I couldn't do a normal nine to five job because I still have to get tests done every three and six months. I get like a hard echo and I get the treatment every six weeks. Used to be every three, but uh, we've sort of dwindled that down to every six weeks. And because it's such a big part of my life is why I'm doing the podcast because I'm just going to embrace that about my life is the fact that my life is about the whole cancer thing now. So because it's been something that I've been through, um, I think I have a different outlook on it. So I'm more peaceful. I don't fight it. I, I made peace with my cancer and I asked it to move along. And, and yeah, I hope that I'll inspire some people um 
because there's so many peaceful people out there who get told to fight their cancer and and it just doesn't resonate with everyone so not everyone's like this this warrior you know um but you don't have to to be sad that you're not a warrior because you can be um a kind and gentle person and and that takes strength in itself just in a different way so um so don't feel so don't feel like oh my god i'm just too soft to be a warrior because softness in this world to to be a soft and gentle person is strength in itself and and just remember that because we can't all be be tough and and fight everything around us that we don't believe in sometimes we've got to transmute that energy with kind-hearted energy um so yeah so this is number one number one podcast it's um i'm going to stick to around the 30 minutes give or take for these things so um so yeah i i thank you for sticking with me and look to be honest i get it this isn't perfect and it's not going to be perfect for a while like it's it's a journey in itself so the podcast journey is a journey and for me it's going to take a while to get get better at it it's um i'm not generally a talky talky person um so yeah i have an australian accent i'm just going to be a bit different honestly so yeah so um this is number one and thank you and for listening and Again, goodbye fear, hello good vibes, see you all next time.